Thank you for downloading this week's episode of Throwback Country Music. I'm your host, Britt Jones. Do me a huge favor. Please hit the subscribe button. That way you'll never miss an episode of Throwback. And it's absolutely free. You can also visit, visit us on the web at throwbackcountrymusicpodcast.com. You can click on the link that says click here to listen, and that will take you to all of our episodes. And we have so many episodes in the archives. Catch up. All right. So a lot of people listen to podcasts when they're on their way to work, on their way home, going on vacation, cleaning the house, laying out by the pool. And I want to thank each and every one of you that have been tuning in each week to listen to a new interview with a, a country music legend, a country music star, heroes and sheroes, the people that we love, the people that made country music famous. Well, today I have a very special guest. She is the sister of Dolly Parton, Miss Stella Parton. We had such a great conversation. She is a absolute gem, a treasure. She's a sweetheart. And you're really going to enjoy the stories she has to tell. So without further ado, here is Miss Stella Parton. We are on the phone with a legend in her own right. And she's such a sweetheart, Miss Stella Parton. Stella, how are you doing today? Hi, baby. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm wonderful. I'm excited. I was actually, before we started talking, I was listening to a song of yours from way back when, and it's just such pure, traditional, country classic sound. It's um, uh, the Goodbye song. I'm not that good at Goodbye. Yes, ma'am. And I just thought about that just now when you said that. Jack Clement, you know, Cowboy Jack Clement. Sure. He, he played rhythm guitar. He came over to the studio that day and set the tempo on that for us because uh, we wanted a certain kind of groove. And he kind of had that kind of groove. And uh, wow. so I will forget that he said, I'll come over and play it. <laughs> and so off he came. Well, that's came pretty right special. Over. Yeah. Um, well, and that, that is, that's one of my favorite songs. I, I love that song from you. And, uh, and speaking of that, Stella, you have been, ce- you've, you're celebrating five decades in the entertainment industry. Wow. Well, uh, that's just recording. I've been in the industry <laughs> my whole life true. You know, and I'm, and I'm older than 50, but I've been at this for 50 years wow. as a professional. That's awesome. And, and you're getting ready to release your 40th studio album called Survivor. Uh-huh. Well, I am a survivor, honey. I have been at this a long time, and I've survived a lot of stuff, but I'm still at it and still loving it. Well, tell us about this new project, Stella. It, it sounds, uh, from the track listing uh, and, and from the stories behind what I've been reading, it sounds like a really interesting project. Well, it's just straightforward. It's just simple, straightforward production. I, it's not, I didn't overthink it. Uh, I produced it, and uh, Mike Loudermilk is such a great guitarist, and he worked with me on it. I wanted to do an album that I could recreate in live performance, and you know, it's kind of like Harlan Howard always said: mm. uh, if you can, country music should be just three chords and the truth, and that's basically what I was trying to do with this album. And a lot of the songs are about what's going on today in our world, you know, with the, the drug crisis, with the opioid abuse and all that in, in our society, with the young people overdosing on everything from mm. fentanyl to heroin and all that to, you know, Alzheimer's, you know, is, is kind of 
it's creeping up on my generation. I just yeah. lost one of my uncles, and then I have another uncle who's suffering from that, and my grandmother had Alzheimer's when I was uh, in high school, and I stayed with uh, my grandparents and looked after her during my senior year of high school. That's where I lived and and worked, and then I took care of her at night and in the mornings before school. So I've always been close to a lot of the issues that I'm talking about, and divorce, of course. I've been through divorce myself and had had to raise my son as a single parent. Uh, Because of the Vietnam war and how uh, or they call it a conflict it was a war and, and to me yeah and i feel like we're all uh, casualties of it you know parents as well as their children become casualties of you know those um, situations right. when a, a member comes home and has been affected by you know battle then everybody suffers so i you know i kind of touched on a lot of stuff in this album that uh, have you know affected my life so that's that's what it's about well and that's so good for you for for us to hear that and i'm excited about listening to the the two other songs on the album you've covered bob seger's like a rock tell me how did that even come about well you know i always have loved bob seger's work and i just love the visual of that song yeah anybody that can write a song so visually Mm um and and no, I'd never heard it done really by a female. And I don't consider myself this great vocalist or anything, but I do know how to grab a hold of a lyric and understand it and and interpret that. Because mm. a lot of singers that are great singers, they I'll listen to them and sometimes they're not even in touch with the song. That's right. They're, they're singing notes and, and just soaring, you know, as high yeah. as they can go. But they hadn't even paid attention to the words of the song. It's like, well, why don't you just play guitar if you're not going to sing? If you're just going to hum through the song, um, I don't want to hear that. So I yeah. tried to interpret the lyrics of a song, and that's what I tried to do with Bob's song. And I, that's what I tried to do with Avicii's song. Now, I had recorded a, the Avicii song before he passed away. Oh, wow. But I had heard him, I'd heard that song, and the first time I heard it, I just loved it. It was kind of like down in the boondocks, and I'm not Lisa. It was just <laughs> floored me. Those mm-hmm. songs, certain songs just really will hit you, and that was one of those songs. And I thought, man, I'm going to cut this someday. And so it just seemed to fit this project. Well, that, that is a great song. And, and those two songs, like you said, they, they do paint a picture. And, and I think, Stella, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like a lot of stuff today on the radio, people aren't singing with as much conviction as they used to. I, I, you know, I, is that, am I right, or what do you think about today's music? Well, uh, here's what I think about it. You know, I don't like to criticize anybody else and what's going on in the industry. Because yeah. let, me, let me just say, anybody that has any success at all, I'm happy for them. Right. And they've made a major sacrifice to have it. I knew that for a fact up close and personal from my own own life and that in members of my own family. But um, I think it's too uh, performance-driven now, Mm -hmm. uh, country music is. And I noticed that happening about 20 years ago. I mean, I'd go sit in sometimes at clubs and stuff, and you couldn't hear the singer. And I think, well, you know, what's that all about? And that's what it is now. It's like you can't hear the lyrics. uh, You're just hearing a bunch of noise. And country music was built on a good story, mm-hmm. and and I I have a problem with that. That's 
why this album is really straightforward. Uh, and it, if you can't go entertain an audience with just a guitar and a, stand in front of a microphone, uh, then I don't know what your problem is. I think you've got a lot of problems, and I don't think that's what uh, country music should be doing. That's right. Uh, but I'm not going to tell other people what to do. Right. Uh, you know, I'd rather s sing Old Ship and, and Froggy Went a Courtin' any day mm -hmm. and, and entertain people than to give them a headache with the noise. Right. I'm sorry. That's just how that's, I think about it. That's good. <laughs> uh, well, I, this is pretty cool. And a lot of our your fans may not even know this, or a lot of people listening may not even know this, but you were recently on uh the bbc celebrity master chef tell us about how that came about and what the experience was like oh lord it was so traumatic i, I did that last <laughs> um well it showed in september i'll never do another reality thing as long as i live she said uh, <laughs> oh oh my lord it was awful i've always been a cook and i've published three cookbooks and right. I, I consider myself a good cook but i mean the stuff they expected us to to cook and throw at us was and and i just didn't like it it was just not my cup of tea wow. i've got I've always thought that cooking should be to nurture family and friends, uh -huh. and it's it's a way to hold somebody in your in, on your lap, you know, that's too big to sit there. So you just cook them a nice meal, you know. Right. And that's just my theory on it. And I just didn't. If I'm not a com competitive person, I only compete with me. Yeah. And that's when you're messing with with my cooking and expecting me to compete then you've really messed up and so it was a huge mistake for me to do that i was horrified i've never done anything that i hated so bad wow okay well did they ask you to cook something that was just unruly or just something that we would not want to eat well, first of all, see, I'm a country cook, a right. very good uh -huh. country cook, growing up in the mountains of East Tennessee, but I'm also a vegetarian, yeah. and I was scared to death every day that they were going to put a, a pig's head or, a, you know, a big old fish or, uh -huh. or a big squirmy lobster or something on the counter for me to have to, to cut open and all that, and I thought, oh, my Lord, because I just didn't want to dismember, uh, you know, one of God's little creatures. Right. <laughs> I think that's what got me more than anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, my Lord, I don't want to make any bacon here. I don't want to fry any sausage, and I don't want to make any lobster bisque. Oh, goodness. And, oh, Lord, I didn't want to crack open a crustacean or, you know, break the jaw of a, you know, a pig or something. It's just yeah. like, oh, oh, geez, I can't do this. Oh. But I got out of there after six six rounds. I, you know, I got shot out of the saddle. So it was just as well. Did you, did y'all record it in uh, England? Yeah, it was recorded in London. Okay. And I froze to death. I was over there in February last year doing it and it didn't show until September. Right. But it was an experience, but I'm not ever going to do that again. I'm, I told them I was vegetarian, but they started laying raw fish and stuff upon the counter. And I thought, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, a big fish looking up at me and stuff. It's like, I don't want to do this. Oh, goodness. Um, well, let me ask you this. What, you know, you still, when, when you go out and do a show, what's your favorite song that you like to perform live? Is there a favorite? Is there a go-to? No, not really. Um, 
I do, I have a, a show, a set show that I do in concert. Uh-huh. And then I have an acoustic show that I do, which is all my songwriting stuff. But probably it would be um, I Want to Hold You because that's the one that gave me a career. Yeah. And, you know, I wrote that and I produced it and I put had to put it out on my own label because nobody in Nashville would give me the time of day. Yeah. And then it became a top 10 billboard hit for me, and I got away with having a career without anybody giving me permission. I love that. So I was like a little pig that slid, uh, you know, that slid under the fence before they caught me. <laughs> so I guess, I guess that would be the, my favorite one because it changed, changed my world. Well, let me ask you this. When that song came out and it had the success it did, did you just, was the, was the touring, was the, was the, the, how, what kind of whirlwind was that? I'm sure you started getting a lot of bookings and just great things started happening. Well, see, I had been working for a long time before that, but I've been doing clubs, you know, uh-huh. working in little old nightclubs, beer joints, whatever you want to call them, up and down the highway, all over the country. Um, with house bands and you know they half the time they weren't rehearsed but i'd be doing cover tunes and stuff so it was okay some of the bands were great and some were awful but you just gotta bite the bullet and do it because Mm -hmm. that's i was trying to earn my stripes but i was also trying to make a living because i was a single mom having to make a living to you know keep a roof over my head and food in in the mouth of a, a little boy so um when when I had that hit record, then I started working the fair circuit and festivals, and then I had a, a Danger of a Stranger became a big pop hit over in, oh, yeah. in Europe, and then I was able for the next several years, and as I still do, go over there and sometimes even headline my own tours. So uh, that was a huge blessing for me, and nobody here at home even knew I was still working. I was just out there working. Uh. What what so, is what what's like what's it like going to Europe? Your fan base over there is it incredible? Oh, it's it's much more appreciative than here. You know, here at home, it's like oh well, that's just Stella. You know, they're they're Stella. You know, we'll go see Stella if they like me or whatever. Right. But over there, they they kind of see our music as they revere it as such a uh, incredible art form. Where here, it's homegrown, so you don't think of it. Mm. As, it's like canned food, you know. Yeah out of the garden it's like you want something store-bought instead of something out of the garden that's how americans are but over there it's like oh you know this this is american grown music and these are you know these are american artists and so they treat you with a lot more uh reverence and and it feels good after being you know mistreated a lot here at home sure Oh, that's, uh, I'm so glad you explained that. That's, that's interesting. Um, well, well, I don't know if anybody else would explain it that way, but they see it as very special and yeah. and unique for here at home. It's like everybody takes you for granted. It's like, oh, that's just a bunch of hillbilly singers. That's just a bunch of singers from Nashville, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and they like the first, the new flavor of the week, you know, about every year. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to kind of get in line and wait your turn and hope they don't boo you off the stage at home sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but over there, they, you know, ply you with flowers and, and applause and all that. So it's nice. Well, uh, I, I, something else I was on is I was really interested in because I, you know, a few years ago, uh, a, a story of you and your family's life came out, and uh, you were invited to be, I guess, a consultant on the set. Is that correct? Of Code of Many I Colors? Was, 
I wasn't invited. Dolly asked me to, but uh-huh. she she couldn't be there on the first, um, you know, the first one. Yeah. And she said, Stella, would you act as consultant oh, because wow. you know as much about the family as I do, and and a lot of people don't know this, but I also have uh, worked in production as the associate producer on a lot of her TV shows and stuff wow. in the background. Yeah. Nobody knows that, but you know when she runs up on, you know, on a stump in the, you know, in the lake, she'll say, Stella, I need a little help here. <laughs> and, and I'll wade in and do what I can. And, you know, in my quiet little way. So, yeah, I did that. And, um, and but I also uh, played the part of Corla Bass, the mean woman. Yes, in, you did. And so she said, now, Stella, you know you're not going to get to be pretty in this role. I said, I don't care. I'll let you be pretty, Dolly. I don't <laughs> I know how pretty I am. <laughs> I don't mind dressing up like the mean old uh, woman in town. So it was fine. Was it? And it, it was, it was um, kind of surreal, actually, in that, you know, here I am being portrayed as a little girl right. with my along with my other siblings mm-hmm. in the film. Then I'm playing this old mean woman that owned the store in town. And I knew a couple of women that were shopkeepers in our hometown. So I kind of combined two of them. Oh, wow. And that's who I made Corla Bass out of. And, um, and then, you know, being the consultant was, that was a lot of hats to wear. But, you know, I'm a hat collector, so I'll just put on a different one. <laughs> I love it. well those well, those were great movies. I'm so glad you were you were involved in those. Um, Thank you. Well, let me ask you this, and we'll, we'll start wrapping it up. But what's your? Do you have a favorite career memory so far, or something that just stands out to you? Uh, you know, there's so many highs and and so many lows that um, I'd rather save those for my next book. And oh, um, okay. Uh, but I think one of one of my favorite. Uh, highs would be touring with um, with Ronnie Millsap opening for Ronnie Millsap mm-hmm. and and for Marty Robbins oh, wow. uh, and you know I've worked with everybody and I I opened for Kenny Rogers before he and Dolly ever toured together oh interesting so so you know I've had a lot of highs yeah. and a lot of lows right uh, but you know what I'm a tough little bird so I just kind of hang in there until the weather changes and then I start uh, dry off my feathers and start again that's right I love it uh, can can people still they can get your memoir uh, tell it sister tell it on Amazon they can they can go there and order it and and it's the first installment I have. I kind of soft pedaled a lot of it, but you know, I still have a lot of relatives still alive. <laughs> if I outlive them, I'll tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. <laughs> That's great. I love that. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Well, uh, Stella, thank you so much for being on the show today. You've been a, a joy. Thank you, honey. Have a good day. I appreciate you taking the time. All right. And make sure you play some of my new albums. Oh, now don't just play that old stuff. You better believe it. You better believe okay. it. <laughs> All right, baby. Bye-bye. Bye. I knew you would enjoy me and Stella Parton. She is an American treasure. She's such a sweetheart. And I really enjoyed talking to her. And I know you enjoyed hearing her stories. Uh, But you can tell she's just a sweet, sweet, humble 
uh, country music sensation. She has been in the business for many years, and she has uh, really done well for herself. And of course, she is the sister of Miss Dolly Parton. What a great family. Well, thank you once again for downloading this episode. Subscribe to us. Uh, Just hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star rating. Write a quick review. It really helps the podcast grow. And man, we are growing. Uh, Season one was incredible. Uh, Season one came out in October. Took us all the way through the end of the year. And uh, we were constantly being on the iTunes music podcast uh, top 100 charts, which is really, really cool. Uh, but yeah, just uh, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's all Brit Jones Music, B-R-I-T Jones Music. And leave me some comments. Let me know who you want to hear um, and uh, give me some questions. Sometimes all that will be read on the air. And also you can vote in our weekly polls that we put out. Thank you once again. Have a blessed week. I'll see you right back here next Monday with T.G. Shepard.